crucifixion, redemption, renewal. We thank you for this cross. We thank you for your grace. We worship you, God, that because of the work you have done in any situation, no matter what we're going through, no matter how big the mountain, how tall the wall, how great the giant, because of what he's done in any situation, when we fight, we fight on our knees with our hands lifted high, because the battle belongs to God. Does anybody believe that in this place tonight? Come on, one, two.
in me right now. Jesus has already won. It is written. Jesus is on the throne. His blood has been spilled. doesn't mean we don't see our share of tribulation, trials, darkness. I love this scripture. Jesus, he recognizes that he lived, he lived a lot of tough things. I thank God that we can pray to a God who empathizes with what we're going through and understands our pain and all that. When we pray to God, it's not some distant being in some far off dimension. It's a God who said, my name is Emmanuel come close to you, I am near to you, not just in a Christmas story, but every day, every breath, the highs and lows, when in your betrayal, I know what that feels like, in your sorrow, man, I've been there, in your tears and your pain, I understand, and I am here with you, and I want to let you know that I'm walking with you, and just like we've said before, and he takes everything that was meant for evil and turns it somehow through his beautiful creative work of grace into something that's good, thank you, Jesus, that he said, in this world, you experience tribulation, right? But I'm so thankful the verse didn't end there. In this world, you experience tribulation, but take heart, what? I have overcome the world, man. We're standing in that victory today. So everybody who came into the stadium this weekend with a heavy heart, stuff going on at home, sorrow, frustrations, battles, relationships, whatever, we just go to the one who opened up his arms and said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, and I will give you rest. We go to that one. We go to the one who says that he's working things together for good. We go to the one who takes our ashes and makes art and makes beauty. We go to the one whose grace is sufficient. We go to the one who says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. We go to the one who is all over it, all powerful. And we sing this song. And we tear off the roof for our friends around us with our faith as we lift our hands high. Come on. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my
everybody. Wow, what a great way to open up today's show with Phil Wickham and Brandon Lake. Ladies and gentlemen, that is The Battle Belongs and God of Revival. Again, Brandon Lake and Phil Wickham, two amazing, amazing young Christian worship group uh, geniuses that are out there bringing young people all over the world to Christ. It's a great thing to see. It's a great thing to see uh, young people being so involved in the Lord. And I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me this morning here on Rise Up. This is rumble.com slash LFA TV. This is Rise Up January 16th, year of our Lord, 2024. And it is my great honor to be able to do this show with you guys every single morning, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. because it helps me start my day. My day is not complete without the Lord, without starting out in the Lord. And now my day is not complete unless I start out the Lord or start out the day in, uh, in the Lord in fellowship. Fellowship with my family, fellowship with my children, fellowship with all of you. Because where there are two or more gathered, you know what God says. Now, I'm not saying that alone time is not great. I love my alone time with God. I spend uh, most of my time with God, with just myself and God. But I got to tell you, if I don't have fellowship at least once a day with other Christians, it just feels like I'm becoming stale a little bit. We, what we do is, um, you want to know the perfect analogy of why it's so important to have fellowship. I want you to go back to when Mary visited Jesus's soon to be cousin when they were both in the womb. And as soon as Mary came into their presence, John the Baptist became active and alive in the womb because of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a great analogy when you talk about why fellowship is needed because we lift each other up. Our Holy, the Holy Spirit works to lift each other up. It is needed. It is great. I know when I see the joy of another believer, I feel like a million bucks, more than a million bucks. I feel priceless. Kittenhead said, Jeremy, did you get any sleep last night? I got about five hours. I got about five hours of sleep. It feels like I never left the studio. As a matter of fact, Eli, I think we should just put a bed right in here. Because we're gonna, it's campaign season, and we're going to be working some late nights. Burning that late night oil. You know what I'm saying? We're going we're gonna to be giving that Keurig machine a little, uh, a little bit of use this campaign season. But I think that's a great you know, story to go back to. Uh, you know, Jesus and John being in the womb together and, 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 and Jesus's presence, just Mary's presence with Jesus in the womb caused John the Baptist and his mother to, you know, liven up with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need with each other as well. Now, I titled today's show, Be Like a Bison, which is kind of an odd title, isn't it? Well, we're going to talk quite a bit about that today and what the bison is built for, and what the bison does with his God-given gifts. 
If you guys got your morning newsletter, or if you haven't yet, maybe you want to check your email. Oh, thank you very much. These flannel shirts, I have black and gray and red and black. They will both be on the website this week. I'm sorry for the delay. Uh, I tried to have them on yesterday. Um, But we'll get them on the store this week. Um, Be like a bison. We're going to be talking about that. And a bunch of other things today. I've got some videos to show you, obviously, as I always do. And, of course, we've got great devotional to get through. Um, But I think right now we should go to the Lord in prayer. We're we're all coming off a long night. We're all very joyful. We're all happy with the big win from yesterday uh, in Iowa. Our prayers were answered. Our prayers were answered, by the way, very quick. Very quick. 32 minutes it took, Eli, to get those to get those caucus results in. 32 minutes it took for LFA TV, CNN, and the New York Times to call the race for Donald Trump. And, of course, you know, the DeSantis campaign is out there screaming, election interference, election interference. The difference between us calling it with only 140-something votes in and uh, Fox News calling it uh, for uh, in Arizona for Joe Biden back in 2020 is that there was no possible way in a caucus with a low turnout of anywhere from 160 to 200,000 people total, there was no possible way with those numbers trending that they were ever going to overcome that, that, law, uh, that much of a Donald Trump win. So, you know, we got it in 32 minutes like that uh, last night. So praise God. Um, and we'll talk about that and much more today on Live from America. But this morning, I want to talk about storms and going through them and how you go through them. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Please remove your hats if you're wearing one. In Jesus' name, let's bow our heads and go to our Father God in heaven for prayer. Father, Lord of all, Father God, we thank you for these last three years. I know that's weird and hard for people to hear and understand. So many of us have gone through so much anxiety and stress fighting day in and day out, 24-7 over the last three years, that last night you answered our prayers. You gave us some peace after all the fighting. But Lord, what I want to talk about today is how we didn't give up. What I want to talk about today is what caused us to continue to get up every day and fight this fight to save our country, to return our country to a traditional American cultural, godly-centered nation. I want to talk about a storm that we faced on November 4th of 2020 and what we knew we had to do. Lord, I want to thank you for that perseverance. Father, I want to thank you for that stamina. Father, I want to thank you for that heavenly courage, knowing that we could suffer the same fate as the January 6thers with a weaponized government against its people. But Lord, your armor is protecting us much like it's protecting the one that we are campaigning for. And I know it's odd to bring up elections and sports and all that when we're talking about God, but God, you did give us life and all good things do come from you on this earth. And last night was a good thing. And for that, we want to thank you. But more importantly, Father, we want to thank you for trials. Trials that build us up. Trials that strengthen our skin. Trials that pull us together. Trials that destroy the divisive rhetoric and tones of the nation and start that healing process as Trump called for last night in his victory speech. Father, thank you for the trials. Thank you for the courage. Thank you for the stamina. Thank you for the word. 
In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Be like a bison. We have 1,300 people watching right now. If I, could, uh, if I could ask if you guys could do me the kind favor of sharing the video, I would appreciate it. Being like a bison. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to need to put my headphones on because I need to hear what you're about to hear. Okay? And what you're about to hear and see is what a bison does in the middle of a crazy, crazy winter storm. A storm that would kill you and I if we were out in the elements. See, ladies and gentlemen, a bison does not sit and wait in a storm. Bison becomes the storm. A bison will push through the storm, continuing to forage for food, continuing to survive, but it will not stay still. There's a reason for that. And what we ask today, and the message today, is be like a bison. So let's dig further into what I mean by being like a bison. I want to go to the verse of the day today. First of all, I think actually let's go to the description, then we'll go to the verse of the day. The description said, be more like a bison. Bison don't stand in snowstorms. They become the storm. They push their way through the storm, which is statistically the best way that you can do it. Let's talk about it today. So if you have your verses of the day, please open them up. Again, the verse of the day today is titled, Be Like a Bison, for obvious reasons now. Maybe you didn't understand that at first, but now it makes perfect sense to you. K-Mac says Trump is a bison. Yes, he is. I'm <laughs> 100%. So I want you to open your books, your Bibles up to Isaiah, if you can. Isaiah 43, and while you're opening up your Bibles to Isaiah 43, let me read for you the opening of the email today. Good morning. What a great night last night and a blessed day we have today. God is truly on the move, and it's a great time to be alive as a Christian. Let's get to the verse. The verse is Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Isaiah 43, 1 and and two. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. And you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 
Bison are truly remarkable animals. They were created not to just merely withstand the storms, but to charge through them. Why? They have the body and the heavy winter coat to just lay down and let the storm pass. They require a lot of food to move those big bodies and those massive muscles. They would be better off waiting out the storm and trying to ride it out while they curl up and let their God-given fur and heavy winter coat protect them from the pounding storm. Why don't they? I mean, after all, they were built for that weather. If they wanted to, they could by themselves withstand the storm and most likely survive. If they were in a herd, they could definitely hunker down for the storm and survive just fine. So why don't they? That's the question. I'll tell you why. Number one, it's not very pleasant. Regardless of the winter coat, regardless if they were built for this kind of environment, it's not very pleasant to sit there trying to stay warm while 30 below weather and, 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 and snow beats you and batters you hour after hour after hour. Meanwhile, your body, the bison's body, which requires a lot of food, is losing its heat because it doesn't have the energy because it's sitting there waiting. That's number one. Number two, the bison instinctively understand that they don't know how long that storm is going to last. What if the bison who decided just, you know what, we have the fur, we have the tools, we're going to sit here and we're going to withstand this storm. What if that storm beat and battered them for three days? What if that storm hunkered down right over them and just beat down on them for three, four days? By then, what are they going to do? By the time the storm stops, how are they going to get anywhere? They're going to be malnourished. They're going to be weak. They're going to be cold at that point, no matter how much winter fur they have. So instinctively, the reason why they don't hunker down is because they don't know how long the storm is going to last. So what do they do? Instead, the bison trust their God-given instincts and the tools and the resources that he gave them to plow through the storm, becoming the storm themselves, not waiting to be beat, battered, and pelted by the harsh weather conditions. Instead, trusting their God-given instincts, head up, shoulders back, chest out, walking through the storm. And the reason they do this is because they understand that if they walk through the storm and meet it head on, the quicker they will get out of the storm and get back to eating, foraging for food, and surviving, and not being pelted with ice and hail. 
So that is why they push through the storm so they can get through it quicker. What an incredible analogy and comparison to what we're supposed to do. That is how a Christian is supposed to handle a trial. That is how a Christian is supposed to handle problems. Now, I want you to see something. If you can see this, you might not be able to see it. See that big cut on my hand? That happened this morning. Might be a bruise there too, actually. That happened this morning. Now, we have a, uh, a wood stove in our home that throws off so much more uh, heat than our oil heat. And we have these little Hobby Lobby, like, wooden stools. You know what I mean? Like, these nice, crafty little wooden stools. And I was feeding the wood stove this morning. I got up, and I was all groggy from last night. I got my coffee. I was pounding coffee in, let the dogs out, fed them, all that. I was heaving wood into the wood stove, stoking it up. And I decided, instead of walking away, I'll sit here and wait by the wood stove. But I'm tired. I I stand for a living all day now. I want to sit. So I sat down. I had my coffee in this hand. I sat down on that little wooden stool. And, you know, I guess it's not made for a 250-pound boss like myself. And that thing just crumbled under me. I was up maybe 10 minutes. And guess what, Eli? I fell, tried to brace myself, cut my hand, bled all over. And I didn't spill one drop of coffee. Not one drop of coffee. I was so proud over the fact that I did not spill one drop of coffee, but I was more happy at the fact that I didn't even flip out, didn't even get mad, didn't even, nothing. So now there wasn't, that's not a storm per se, but I want to say that with God, not only can you get through storms, but things like that, things that would just irk me a year ago, six months ago, like, yeah, here we go. What a great start to my day, right? That's what I would have said. Oh, this is just perfect, cheap-made crap. I'm going to go back to that store, and I'm going to raise hell because they sold junk. Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you shouldn't sit a 250-pound man on top of a tiny little wooden stool that you got from Hobby Lobby. Point of the matter is, point of the story is, I didn't even get mad. I was so happy that I didn't spill my coffee, and then I was so happy that I didn't get mad, even though I was bleeding all over the place. No skin off my back. Then, ladies and gentlemen, I went to uh, the gas station to see if that kid was there. That kid was there. I asked them, because I don't know what it is still to this day, if they got their gift card that I dropped off. They said yes, and they were very, very, very polite to me. Very polite. Very nice. And that is all I wanted. I just wanted them to understand, and I'm saying them, not because they prefer they, them, because I don't know what it is. (laughs) Like, if I knew it was a boy trying to be a girl, I'd say a boy. If I knew it was a girl trying to be a boy, I'd say it's a girl. I don't know what it is. All I know is it's another human being. How about that? And they were so happy. They were so nice to me. And uh, so, you know, little things like this in the morning. And if I can do that over something... As little as that, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you, if God is with you in the storm, somebody wrote it in the chat. I am the storm. Amen. Amen. Barbara says, Jeremy, good job. I would have been that way not too long ago as well. 
There should be a video on you, Jeremy. My wife says there should be a camera in every room taping everything that we do because we could, uh, boy, we could have some content, right? I think every family could. Um, thank you, God, for Jeremy and Rise Up. Well, thank you, too. Thank you, too. Ah, praise God. Amen. Amen. So the, so the moral of the story today, folks, is you're going to go through terrible, terrible trials. You're going to go through terrible storms. You already have. There's much more to come. But it's how you perceive that storm that's going to determine how that storm beats and batters you and how you react to it as, a, uh, you know, as the cause of that. So, again, if my perception of that storm is, <laughs> that isn't nothing. Strap on your armor of God. Put on your gloves. Put on your coat. Put on your hat. Put on your goggles. We are trudging through that storm because on the other side of that storm is good weather. It's peace. It's calm. Here, we're just waiting. We're just literally sitting ducks. Now, I could look at it that way, and I could have a goal, and I could have God in my corner, and I could press, press on because I have hope. Or I can see a trial or a tribulation coming. I can see a problem coming, and I can say, you know what? I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait for it. I know it's coming. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait for it to hurt me, and I'm going to sit here. I'm just going to stand the pain. I'm going to withstand the storm, and hopefully I make it out the other side. Which one would you put your money on? Jeremy, did you throw the stool in the fire? I actually put it right next to the wood stove, and when my wife got up, I said, hey, honey, today, can you burn that? She goes, what's that? I said, well, it was the stool. She goes, it can't be fixed. I said, no, 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 no. That stool is as dead as Ron DeSantis's campaign. Put it in the fire. Put it in the fire. Um, the only storm that scares me is losing a loved one. Yeah, I know, but you know what? I saw, I saw a thing about fear this morning. And it even said in that verse that I just read, have no fear. Do you guys know? And I never thought of this. Do you guys know that having fear after God tells you not to have fear is one thing that may cause Jesus to say to you, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you? Did you know that? God wants you to trust in him so much. God wants you to have so much faith in what he will do when bad things, not if, but when bad things happen to you, that he tells you 365 times in the Bible, one for every each day, do not fear. And if you do fear, that's a bad thing. That is saying you do not trust God. Do you know those are God's standards? Do you know that's the way God thinks? Now, I have a video that actually kind of describes that a little bit. I'd like to play that for you if I could. Um, and, you know, I really, I, I, I didn't, that's the good thing I like about some of these videos is they really get you to think. And once they get you to think, then they get you to research. And once they get you to research, then it opens up your minds. It opens up your mind a lot. I want you to listen to what this says in this next video that I archived. Very, very, very. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burn with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It may come as no surprise that murderers, idolaters, and sorcerers end up in hell, but did you know that the fearful have the same fate? Fear is the opposite of faith. Wow. When we allow our emotions of fear and doubt to control us, we signal to God that we doubt his ability to remedy the situation. Wow. Fear 
like all emotions, are part of human nature, but we ought not to let fear replace our faith. Be wise and allow God's perfect love to cast out all fear. Revelation 21.8 says, So Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers will all have their part in the lake of fire along with sorcerers and idolaters. Notice that it said the fearful. It put fearful in the same category as sorcerers, idolaters, warmongers, whoremongers, liars, cheaters, thieves. It put fearful in there. Now, again, fear is just a natural human emotion. It doesn't say do not ever experience fear. It's saying do not let your fear override your faith. Let your faith be over your fear. You see those t-shirts all the time. That's what it's talking about. So here's a good analogy for this conversation. Death. Death is a very, very, very natural and scary thought. Here's how you know you have more faith than fear. Remember when you thought of death and you would get all this anxiety and you'd freak out and you'd start getting like sick to your stomach because you'd start worrying and have an anxiety about dying because you are going to die. You will die. All of us will die our first deaths right here. Every one of us. So you get those feelings of anxiety and fear, right, when you were younger. But then now as a Christian, those thoughts will try to creep in. Those, that narrative will try to creep in once in a while. You're going to die. You're going to die. But now I go, yeah, I know. I know. And I can't wait for the day that I can be with my Lord and Savior in heaven. Obviously, there's, you're going to instinctively fear death. Your flesh is going to instinctively try to remain alive. However, your spirit needs to be so strong in faith that it overrides the fear of your fleshly death. Now, I want to read from a couple of the devotional books, and then I want to go to a three, four-minute video from Frank Turek. And the reason why I want to go to this video from Frank Turek it has really not much to do with what we're talking about today. However, it does talk about something that you have all asked about before. So before we get there, I want to read from page 20 of One Minute Prayer for Dads. 1 John 2, 16 and 17. Again, that is 1 John 2, 16 and 17. All that is in this world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from this world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. We Christian dads can easily be distracted by the glitter of the world. What is it that attracts you personally? Is it ambition, money, material goods? Whatever it is, it's likely to cost you dad hours and will still leave you dissatisfied. 
The thing is, if we're not satisfied by Christ and thus turn to the world for satisfaction, we're entering a maze that has no end. But dads who set aside their hunger for the world and focus on fatherhood will find themselves at the destination where happiness resides. God, I can be dazzled at times by the glitter of this world. I know if I persist in following the attractions of the world, I will suffer a great loss. God, your kingdom has so much more for me than this world. Today, more glitter will be thrown my way. Help me to recognize it for what it is, counterfeit riches and reject it. Instead, may I draw from you the joys of the world to come, your kingdom, your eternal reign. Heaven on earth, folks. Heaven on earth. That's why it says it in that prayer. Now, I see people saying, is it a fear? Is it a sin to be fearful? No, it's not a sin to experience fear. It's a sin to let your fear override your faith. It's a sin to not allow your faith to calm you down and give you the reassurance that you need in the face of that fear that the devil is throwing at you. And now, folks, Frank Turek confronted with a question. And the question is this, am I loving my sister by supporting her gay relationship? Now, I know this is a question a lot of you have. I know this is a topic that a lot of you have spoken about. Is it a sin? Am I aiding and abetting my sister in supporting her gay relationship? Great question and a great answer by Mr. Frank Turek. Roll it. My sister is currently practicing homosexual Uh and as a brother I have failed to have to talk to her about how I feel about her lifestyle and her choices Mm -hmm. because I'm afraid of losing um, my relationship with her because there's times every time I talk to her she doesn't really seem like have a stable mindset and stuff like she seems all too happy and things but she seems what she seems like enjoying the moment being very happy all the time sure okay but i feel like if i try and have that conversation with her she may have a reaction that may cause us to lose our relationship so my question to you is how do i gain the courage to talk to her about how i feel about her lifestyle and her choices even if it does result in losing that relationship with her. Yeah, I know you said how I feel. How you feel is irrelevant. You're not the moral arbiter of the universe. But I think you can start with this question. If you thought I was going down a road that would hurt me and others, would you love me enough to tell me? What's she going to say? Of course. Do you mind if I do that for you right now? And then explain what you mean. And I know this is difficult in family relationships, but you remember what Jesus said when he said, I did not come to bring unity. I came to bring a sword. Amen. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. It's going to divide mother and daughter, father and son. God did not, Jesus did not come to bring unity in the world. He came to bring unity in the church but not in the world. He also went on to say, if you don't hate your mother and father in relation to me, you can't be my disciple. Now, he doesn't literally mean hate. It's, it's Mideastern hyperbole to, to try and say how much your love for God should be 
more so than your love for other people. And here's the beauty of it. If you love God more, you're going to love other people more. And unfortunately, in our culture, we think love means approval. Love does not mean approval. Wow. Every parent knows this. How many parents do we have in here? All right, how many former children do we have in here? <laughs> okay, good. That's all of us then. Question. If your parents approved of everything you wanted to do when you were 13, would they have been loving parents? Mm. No. Mm. No. Love does not mean approval. Love means seeking what's best for the other person, and that often requires you to stand in the way of things they want to do. Mm. That's what love is. So I might ask her, if I was about to go down the wrong road, would you love me enough to tell me? Yes. Can I do that for you now? Okay. Now, it's more important that you kindly tell her the truth and take any damage from her, any blowback from her, than you be silent. Mm. Because that's one of the problems. We're too silent because we think we're loving people by not telling them the truth. That's not the case. Mm. In fact, in the passage that everybody reads at their wedding but nobody obeys, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says... Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love rejoices in the truth. Love always protects. Love always perseveres. How do you love people? You want to protect them, which means you have to tell them the truth. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check out um, Frank Turek and his his YouTube channel, which is um, called Cross examined cross examined on his youtube channel mr frank turek um uh danielle you don't have to use that kind of language in rise up if i can ask for that please thank you very much I needed this, said Caramore. I think a lot of people did, which is why I played it in relation to what I was, my story with the, the, the trans person at the, uh, at the gas station. Um, and I think the, the greatest thing that Frank said in that video was this. The more you love God, the more you'll love people. What a great statement. The more you love God, the more you'll love other people, no matter who they are. The more you love God, the closer you get to God, the more like Christ you are going to be. Now, Christ sat, hung out, and ate with sinners. He didn't become a sinner. He didn't become what they were. He didn't do what they did. He sat with them because they needed help. He talked with them because they needed the word. He ate with them because they needed to feel comforted. To trust this man. He associated with them because he loved them. He loved the whores. He loved the thieves. He loved the tax collectors. He loved the abusive. He loved the corrupted. And the more we love God, And the more we get close to Jesus, the better we will love other people. Really amazing stuff. Let's go to the, um, let's go to the rumble chat. 
50 minutes past the hour. I want to hear from the LFA family. I've noticed a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. But they got to hear it no matter what. That's true. My sister-in-law and niece won't talk to me because I posted something about the Rainbow Pride stuff. Sister-in-law said, you know my granddaughter is gay, and then wrote me off. My sister passed away before I had the chance to say this to her. I actually led her astray, and I think about it all the time. I'm sure you've asked for forgiveness, Jax. We love you, potty mouth and all. Well, of course we do. Of course we do. That's why I asked, please. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting us in our sin to show us your way. Bad Moon says, I only want to hear the truth. Three Little Birds says, love, is, love of God is contagious. Sure is. And Race Mom says, the very, very popular statement, the truth will set you free. Why would anybody want to be in the bondage of lies? Would anybody want to be in bondage, period? Unless you're some kind of a sex freak. VSS says, I use that word a lot too, Danielle, and still use it. Don't sweat it. I use it too. I shouldn't, but it comes out once in a while. It's not about sweating it. I swear on live from America when I shouldn't. It's not about sweating it. It's about somebody calling it. And that's why you'll notice when somebody calls me out for swearing, I say, you're right, you're right, you're right. As much as I hate, as much as my pride and my self, uh, selfish ways want to say, shut up, it's just a word. Well, it's not just a word. And we all know that, myself included. It's good to call each other out. Nine times out of ten, I like when people call me out for what I'm doing wrong. One time out of ten, I do not. <laughs> and it's usually, Eli, when somebody says, you know what you should do with LFA? That's my, that is my worst thing that you could tell. Jeremy, you know what you should do with LFA? Like, oh, what, what should I do? <laughs> that's the one I hate the worst. Other than that, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being corrected. That's what we do as Christians. No, no love loss there. You know what I mean? That's what we do. I like that. I think it's good that we do that. I think it's honorable that we do that. And I think if anybody on the left or any unbeliever or agnostic or, or atheist saw the way, we, the way we hold each other accountable for doing things wrong instead of being a cult, <laughs> I think they would say, wow, I thought they would be a cult. I didn't really believe that they would, you know, call each other out like they do. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. I love hearing the truth. It makes me learn, says Angel. Amen. Consilvertus says, swearing is a problem I have. Please call me out if I do it in the chat. That's all we ask. That's all we ask. Hey, if I lie, I need you to call me out on the lie. I never lie, so that's that's one hard hard to find that one. But if I swear, if I if I do not um, glorify God in my actions, call me out. I want you to. Yeah, I might not like it at first, but it's needed, and I want you to. That's how we should be as people. That's how we should. We can handle truth. It's okay. It's all right. I want to read from the Bible Promise Book for mornings and evenings because this is titled "Helping Others." And I think this is a good way to end the show today. And I'm going to show you one more video too before we go. Romans 15.1 We who are strong in our convictions and of robust faith ought to bear with the failings and the frailties and the tender scruples of the weak. 
We ought to help carry the doubts and qualms of others and not to please ourselves. We were just talking about that, right? Philippians 4, 14 and 15. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintances with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only, says Paul. As our lives become more hectic and crowded, finding a way to help others and be helped by them can open the door to blessings for everyone, including more time with our family and friends and more rest for our minds, bodies, and souls. God never meant for us to face our days alone. And you know, that's a big problem that I always had too. Can I help you, Jeremy? No, I got it. Is there anything I can do for you? No, I'm good. Eli asks me all the time, is there anything that I can do? No, I got it. While I sit there and become miserable because I'm trying to cram in too many things at one time in a short period of time. We should honor those people that ask us if they can help us, right? We should. We should. And now I've got one more video to show you about being grateful for who we are, what we have, and what God gives us. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Wish. What would you wish for? One thousand cakes. Money to be rich. A million dollars. A trillion dollars. One hundred dollars. Remember this. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your body, a roof over your head and a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of the entire world. If you have the money to spend as you wish and the freedom to go anywhere you want, you are among the top 18% of the world's wealthiest people. Furthermore, if you are alive today with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week. Lastly, if you can read and understand this message, you are more fortunate than the three billion people in the world who cannot see, cannot read, and cannot access the knowledge and information that surrounds us. Life is not for complaining about pain and sorrows. It's about prioritizing the countless other reasons to be grateful and happy. If you understood this message, please share it to your story. What a good reminder. What, a, what an absolutely great reminder. And actually, starting to bring some tears to my eyes. Because when I see stuff like that, I feel so, lo- so small for complaining about some of the things that I complain about. We are so blessed to be alive. We're so blessed to have the word of God. And we're so very blessed to be born in America. Now, America's quickly dying. But Philippians 4.13 says that all things are possible with Christ. And I think we can get it back. Moral of the story, count your blessings, not your problems.
Don't count on your problems. Count on God, the solution to everything. All right, guys, I'm going to take you out the same way that I brought you in, and that is with some great music by Phil Wickham and Brandon Lake. The battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm just going to be like a bison and use my strong muscles to move the snow and plow forward. I hope today's message helped you. I hope any of the words today resonated with you. I pray for each and every one of you. Make sure that you give us a rumble on your way out. We have almost 2,000 people watching Rise Up now. What a blessing. Share the video to your friends and family, to your members of your church, because spreading the gospel is the most important thing in the world. I love you guys. Mike Crispy comes up next. Make sure you show him some love. We were up late last night. And then two hours of Live from America after that. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Enjoy your morning. Thank you for being here on Rise Up. Thank you.